Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 111. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. You're listening to the Thread Podcast, a podcast for leaders where we do verse-by-verse Bible study from the scriptures to draw out leadership lessons so your life can have a bigger impact, whether you're uh, leading at school or in the marketplace or in a ministry of some kind or in your family. Thread is a podcast for you. All right, we are in the book of Acts, and uh, we're in chapter 16, verses 16 through 24, and this one is about... Casting out demons. Have you ever had an unexplainable supernatural experience? I mean, maybe you talk about it with other people, or maybe it's not something you want to talk about with anybody else because you're not sure what you saw. Have you ever seen behavior in other people that you couldn't decide if it was just emotional instability or real malevolent spiritual forces? Uh, most of my life, I have lived in the developing world and in a world where uh, people have very real consciousness of there being a spirit world, and I've seen quite a few things in my life that that made me wonder, and some of it I did wonder if it was just emotional instability, but other things I've seen is just too strange, and not just that it's complicated, but that it I don't know. It's like it lines up too perfectly to say, well, that was just coincidence. So anyhow, that's what this thread is about. Now, in the West, you know, we want to rationalize away the modern world, any any possibility of a spirit world that has angels or demons or God or Satan. But the New Testament assumes the reality of an unseen spiritual world that is acting behind the events of the physical world. And so today's thread is a case study. It's an encounter between Christian workers and a young lady whose soul had been captured by a demon spirit. So let's dive in. We're in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. Let me give you a little background. If you remember, Paul had Uh, On his first missionary journeys, he had gone to an area that he was familiar with, uh, basically in in Turkey, uh, in the area around Palestine where he was from. And so uh, he, he was in an area that had a culture similar to his, Middle Eastern. And so he's planted churches there. And then he got to the edge of that world and he could either move to the east and go up into uh, Western Asia, or he could move west and go into the eastern borders of Europe. And they prayed about what to do regarding the future of the ministry, and they felt this this, uh, strong check in their spirit. And they were actually, the words they said were, they were forbidden to go to the east. And so they uh, Paul was sleeping, and he had this vision of a man that was dressed in Macedonian uh, as a colony on the in the north part of Greece, 
Uh, so this Macedonian vision, he could see a man dressed in Macedonian clothing, and these were Europeans, and they were saying, the man was saying, come over and help us, and he was pleading with Paul. And Paul woke up and said, wow, that must be God. So they changed their uh, direction, and they went into Europe, and the first place they went was into Macedonia, and they went to the capital city of Philippi. And when he got there, he found there were hardly any Jews in that city, so he didn't have any. Uh, his typical pattern was to go to a Jewish synagogue and get established, meet some people. Well, in this town, he's in a Gentile world. And so in our last episode, um, Paul and Luke and Silas and Timothy are on this journey together, and they're going to the river in the public places, wherever people hang out in Philippi, and they're starting conversations with them, looking for an angle, you know, looking for a chance, looking to see uh, who God was already moving on. Because they met a lady named Lydia, and the scripture says that God was already working on her, that he opened up her heart so she would receive their message. And then Lydia said, well, come stay in my house and make my home the headquarters for your outreach. So Paul did, and they were ministering to all her friends. But in the days, they would roam through the city just, you know, looking for God, who else is here that is searching? Who's hungry? Who can we talk to today? And, you know, that, great things happen when you do that, when you just put on a mindset and say, this is missions outreach, hmm, call it a month. This is missions outreach month. And as a as a group of believers, just start going out and looking to intentionally start conversations, you know, keep some Christian material in your pocket that you can give people when you leave. Um, you're just, you're there to evangelize. Okay, so that is what was going on here in Philippi. And in verse 16, it says, Now it happened, as we went to prayer, they were gathering with the other believers to pray, a certain slave girl, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And this girl followed Paul and us. Remember we said Luke is now part of the story because he's starting to say us, um, and he's the writer of this. He said, this girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. All right, well, let's, let's dig on down a little bit deeper here. Um, so Paul has met, I looked at this passage in the Greek, and um, it's got some interesting things there. It says that they were, um, well, the first thing that it, it says is the word it uses for the girl lets you know that she's like a prepubescent girl. She's a girl. And the Greek text says she was a child. And it says, it didn't use the word possessed. It says she was having a spirit and, but it's an interesting word for spirit. Instead of it saying uh, a spirit of divination, it really says pneuma puthona, which means a, a spirit of a python, a spirit of a python. And probably this means, uh, I don't know if you're up on your Greek uh, mystical history, 
Uh, but if you saw the movie 300, there was a reference to it there. Uh, there was a, at Delphi, there was an oracle. There was always a temple there. And you could go to the temple and for a fee, uh, you could get a, uh, an oracle, a person who could do, who could connect to the spirit world. And they would come under a temporary madness and become uh, possessed and they would tell your fortune. And uh, the, in Greek mythology, the oracle at Delphi uh, is guarded by a huge python. And so um, maybe that is what's being mentioned, you know, that, that that whole, she had a spirit of a python, the spirit that's connected to the oracle at Delphi. You know, this is the, in Greek mythology, Apollo kills the python, uh, but they came to understand it basically as a spirit of ventriloquism, where that a person comes under a temporary madness, kind of goes offline, and then this spirit, you don't know who or what, this spirit speaks through them and gives a person the wisdom that they need or the answer to their question or, you know, they're paying for this. It's a religious, um, well, on one hand, it's a sideshow. On the other hand, it's a sincere effort to find guidance. I was in the airport in Bangkok yesterday, and I watched, uh, there were two monks across from me, and I watched this lady, and she, she uh, first she came up to them with her cell phone, and she said, can I take your picture? And she took, her, she took their picture. And then she came a few minutes later, and she wanted to make merit. And basically, you need to do acts of service for a monk, and you get like a million merit points for that. So in... Uh, it's just good karma. So she has come up to them, and so she's clearing their table, and she's taking their, their empty trays away. And then she comes with two men, and a monk isn't allowed to touch a woman. So she had her list in an envelope, and she shook the envelope out, and the list slid out on the table in front of the monks. And, you know, that was fair game. He could touch that. And so then they were asking the monks for blessings. So the monks started to pray a prayer, and then at some point in their prayer, they turn to her list, and they start going down the list. Just whatever it was she said for them to ask about, they started to ask about that. And, you know, so this has gone back since there were people perceived as holy men, and it's uh, it can be a big business. So this poor girl, and, you know, I don't, okay, this is my take on all this. Um, where the spirit is, I'm sorry, where the scripture is silent I think we're supposed to be silent. We can talk about things. We can say, I think it might be this, but nobody should go making a doctrine uh, and writing books and stuff when we really don't have a clear scripture on things. You're free to say what you want to say and within bounds as a Christian, you know, we're bounded by scripture and there are many things the Bible does say. Uh, what some people believe, and there's some, there's some Pauline teaching about this, and there is also that reference in Daniel, where, where um, the angel says he's been battling the prince of Persia. So there's some understanding that uh, demon, demons have government too, and that there, there are spirits who are the great Lord spirits of demons, and they are geographical in their territory. And that's why, for example, when Jesus cast the demons out of the two demoniacs, the demons said, can we go in the pigs? And we don't, don't make us leave this country. So there's something about geography and demon spirits. I don't know the connection. There are different theories about it, but I'm not going to teach those theories. 
Um, so I'm not sure what, what's going on, but what some people believe is there is a great spirit over different parts of the world, and, and they're not like God, you know, where they can be everywhere. They're just in their space. So if you're not in their city, they're not there. Uh, but if you are in their turf, they settle down there and they want to exert power over their district. And so they do that in a number of ways. But uh, as they invade education and government and business and entertainment and they push hard in their zone, uh, the, the territory starts to take on the characteristic of that demon principality. So that uh, just last week I was at, we were at two different beaches taking a week off uh, with our girls who are home from school. And we went to the first beach and it was like, wow, that, that one is just nice, quiet, family, nature beach. And then we went to another beach and people have little buckets. I don't mean they have a bottle of whiskey. They have buckets they're walking around with, with straws. And they're seeing just how wasted they can get. And uh, it was just like that whole attitude somehow lived in that territory, you know. And I don't know all the reasons for it, and I'm really one of the least superstitious people you'll ever meet. I'm very rational in my approach to most things. Um, but there is something in Scripture of demon powers that settle into areas, and they begin to push and to fight back. And that's what is being encountered here. Paul has come to a city that has no church. It has no synagogue. It has very little presence to represent Jehovah God in any accurate way in this entire region. And so the spirit of the people was crying out to God, whether they knew it or not, just in their agony and their blind searching in the darkness. They've come under the power of dark evil forces, and they are, their agony is crying out to God. And God receives it as a prayer, come over and help us. And God has now sent Paul, because, you know, when we give our life to the Lord, it's not like he needs a bunch of lives. So what he does is he gives us away to somebody else. And right now he's given me and Sherry away to Thailand. And so here we are. And so we're doing our very, our very best to serve here. Uh, so God gives Paul away to Europe, and he sends him over there. And now Paul is running into the demon powers in Philippi. And this girl has a spirit. She has a spirit that lets her do certain things convincingly, and people pay big money. Um, uh, the scripture said in verse 16 that her, demon, her demonization created a steady stream of profit through giving oracles. Kind of like, you know, it's the same kind of abuse as trafficking or other forms of exploitation. So here's a child. She is a child, and she's in this demonized state, um, and she is a slave on top of that, and she is having this spirit of a python inside of her, or the spirit of the oracle is in her, and yet she's doing something very strange. On the one hand, it says she was screaming in verse 17. It's not just uh, like, these men are... I mean, she is screaming. She is, it's, uh, it's an exaggerated shouting. She's screaming this out. What she's saying is the truth. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. 
But when the demons tried to also honor Jesus, he told them to shut up also. Because there's confusion going on. People can now think that the way that Paul and his group is, the, the thing that they are bringing is the same thing as the oracle uh, at Delphi and the demon spirits that go with that. And verse 18 says that this went on for many days. And Paul grew increasingly worked up by it. Uh, the word that's used there means that he was, it doesn't mean that he, he got angry. It, it's a passive, uh, it's a passive verb form. It means he was being made grieved. This circumstance was working on him and it was grieving him. And he's grieved over the confusion that this demon spirit is sowing in the minds of all the people. And he's grieved at the state of this poor child. And he's got an emotion that when I'm trying to research, uh, you know, like my English Bible says he was greatly annoyed. And that's really not a fair translation. It's not like, you know, ants at a picnic are annoying. That's not what this word means. This word is like, it's a mixture of being angry, like you're mad, and you're anxious, you're, ner- you're nervous, you're worried, you're bothered, and you have a heart burden that is growing bigger and heavier and it will not leave you until you act. And so this thing is inside Paul and he is trying his best to avoid an open conflict in Macedonia because he knows it'll close off his evangelistic work in Philippi because they're going to get kicked out of town eventually because that's always inevitable when they would enter these new territories. But I mean, he just got started and there's no church here and there's no You know, it's like God doesn't have a strong enough witness in this town. And he knows if he goes head to head with this thing, because this girl is famous in town and he he doesn't want to make, you know how in some towns he kind of goes into public warfare mode. He, and he sees what that happened. You know, what happens when you do that? You just get beat up and run out of town. So he's trying to stay in town as long as he can. I think he intends to deal with this girl's condition, but he doesn't want to do it right away. So every day he's out trying to witness. And you know, it's funny, the Bible doesn't say that, I mean, maybe he was leading people to the Lord and it just isn't, it's not a big part of the story. So it's not in here. Or maybe he wasn't having a whole lot of fruit and he's trying to avoid, you know, conflict, which is coming to him um, because he, he's thinking strategically. But after a while, his heart boils over and his heart overcomes his head's instruction. You know, his mind is saying, don't engage, don't fight. This isn't a good time to to have another one of these big battles in public. And yet there's the day and his heart just boils over and it overcomes and he can't stop it. Uh, And he just, he wheels around. I don't know what caused him finally to snap, but something makes him snap. And uh, he, he wheels around. He does not shout at the girl. He shouts at the demon. He gets in the face of the demon. I just, I'm backing off this story and I'm just thinking, what a public event. You know, this girl's famous. She's like a walking billboard and she won't shut up all day, stepping everywhere they step, screaming out in front of everybody, you know. These men are sent from God. They're come to show us the way of salvation. And, you know, Paul's only evangelized Lydia and her family. He's trying to find some others who are listening. But th- this girl is turning, you know, she's just forcing it. It just gets bigger every day, and it leads to his first clash 
with Roman officials. He's never had to deal with Roman officials before, but he's about to have to. Verse 18, he wheels around and he commands the spirit, I, he doesn't say Jesus, he says I, because you have authority as a believer. And he doesn't say, oh God, please make the spirit come out of this girl. He says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, because Paul himself doesn't have the authority. Jesus has the authority. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, you come out of her. And the scripture says he came out. It's kind of interesting. It doesn't say it. Uh, he came out that very hour. Verse 19, um, you know, he's already had the one encounter with demon power in the girl. But, you know, what kind of, of men have a business that involves the slavery of children and exploiting them for money and doing demon practices for pay? I mean, these are some twisted guys. And now they see that you know, all they care about is their money. That's how powerful money is. When the master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates. And uh, that's, um, that's a word for... It's, uh, the original word behind all this is the two guys, is what it's called, because they were like multiple double-headed leaders. Um, the two guys who sit as the magistrates for this city, the Roman officials in charge of justice. And they lay a charge that these men and their teaching, their ideas are a threat to Rome. And that's what they're going after, verse 21, because they know that's all Rome would care about. They're not going to get involved in people's religious lives. But if you're trying to overthrow the empire, uh, yeah, the Roman empire, they are definitely going to react. And the multitude rose up, because, you know, they all want that oracle to be there for them, too. The magistrates, without even questioning them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. They didn't question the witnesses. They just look at these two guys. They can see that they are foreigners. They have no respect for them whatsoever, ripped their clothes off, and began beating them. Verse 23, they laid on them many stripes, and they threw them, and that word is the word for like to take a ball and throw it. So they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Verse 24, having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison, and he fastened their feet to the stocks. Now, the, I looked that up too. The word for stocks is, it's not just a place to, um, to bind your foot so you don't run away. It's a Roman torture instrument. It forces the legs so far apart that it causes intolerable pain in just a short amount of time. So this jailer understands these are very unpopular men, and they have been beaten. They are outcasts. They are foreigners among our people, and we are teaching them a lesson. They're troublemakers, and they are here to be punished. So their back is bloody. Their clothes are ripped, and they've been physically thrown into the jail area, and now he takes their feet and he spreads their legs far apart and he screws them into the stocks. You know, evangelism is a wartime undertaking. Some people want to approach it as a peacetime undertaking. They don't want to offend anybody, and they're so like mealy mouth. If we're not careful, we can become that cowardly, quiet, apologetic witness. Look, it doesn't work that way. This is war. 
We are at war with unseen forces of spiritual darkness that have invaded the pillars of society in every nation. And these dark forces use education, government, the arts, um, business to war against God and against man because we're his creation. And these demon powers want to bring all of us into slavery under them. They want to break our human spirit. And Christ came to bring war, successful war upon the earth as men and women, not angels, humans, as men and women rise up against the dark towers and against the demon powers. And men and women who are armed with God's authority and clothed in his righteousness and good at using his spiritual weapons. You know, Ephesians 6.10 talks about the armor that God has given us. So we need to learn to stand in our place in Christ, first of all. You know, God has given us a place in Christ. We are covered in his blood. We are righteous. We are holy in his sight. It's a gift from God. And we need to learn to stand in our place. And then we need to learn how to walk in a manner of life that is worthy of this calling. But eventually, God wants to teach you and me how to war against the darkness in every human institution. Paul was taken to Macedonia to evangelize, yes, but he was taken there to declare war because the kingdom of God was now present in Macedonia. And when those four men walked into town the very first day and their feet touched on the soil of Philippi, God was establishing his lordship and he was beginning his work of rolling back the darkness. And in, you know, in Paul's mind, I'm sure he was hoping for more people to come to the Lord before this big, you know, before the battle escalated. And I'm sure he was hoping he could build numbers up, uh, you know, and then one day he knows he's going to have this big conflict that always happens in the end because the demon powers fight back when you come into their territory. But, you know, if you think about it God's way, I can tell you what everybody in town was talking about that next day. And it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the uh, shame of Paul and Silas. It was the name. These men entered our town. And you know that girl, that powerfully demonized girl, the one that is the oracle, that works at the oracle, the one that you know, has demon powers in her, they just spoke a word and a new name, Jesus. And when they said that name, the demon left. And it's not coming back. And I mean, there's, it was everywhere. I mean, the, what better, if you just want to talk about marketing, you know, what better marketing than a conflict that is a successful conflict where Jesus' lordship is firmly established in the minds of the people? Would there be harvest in Philippi? Oh, yes. <laughs> there would be continued harvest. And this was actually the most beautiful, uh, it seems to be the most beautiful of the early churches as far as the spirit of the people and the purity of their hearts. And, you know, God did have a plan in mind to do a powerful harvest work in Philippi, and he has done it. He started it. The seed is in the soil, and the harvest is coming. You can't stop that tree from growing once the seed has been planted. So God's hand was on Paul and Silas, and his hand is on you, and his hand is on me. We just need that same boldness and that same warrior spirit. Well, I hope you're enjoying Thread Podcast. I'm praying over these. I want it to minister to you, and I want to 
build you up. And uh, we're gradually growing a production team around this ministry. We really want it to be important in the lives of hundreds and thousands of people around the world. So you can help us out by, first of all, if you go quinley.com slash love and give us a little comment on Facebook. Uh, if you'll go quinley.com slash iTunes and give us a rating on iTunes, that'll make us come up in the search engines quicker. And last thing, if you would, uh, if you want to ask me a question, uh, we would love to get some questions. So you just go quinley.com slash questions and you'll see a recording button there. Just speak it out. Record your question. Uh, later on, as we go to the question segments uh, on the podcast, we may be playing your question. Uh, and the thing that you ask might be something that hundreds of people are asking. So thanks again for tuning in. Expect God to use you. That's all for now. We'll see you next time on Thread. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to Quinley.com.